Hello, Pete here, and welcome to another edition of EdTech Innovators. Whatever your view on the future of work, you can't underestimate the importance of ergonomics, of entrepreneurship, of technology, of course, and of innovation. So from Spain and Italy, we have UCOOP. But firstly, from Somerset, Graeme Coth. Hello. Um, nice to be here. Yeah, I'm, it's, uh, yeah, we are actually seeing each other. For people that are listening, they won't hear, hear the fact that we're seeing each other. But, uh, but, 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 uh, but please use your, your third eye, your imagination, and, and uh, imagine that we're both terribly good looking. So there we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not, you're not so bad. And then an interesting vista I can see there. Do you mind if I describe? Uh, you can. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I uh, so I can see um, a um, gentleman with um, with a, you know, casually dressed in a, in, a, in a fun kind of way, uh, with some remarkable headphones. I have to say, fine head of hair, and um, and a very well ordered background. We like that. I mean, there's no need for a, a virtual Zoom background here, is there? So uh, all is in order. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting subject, and maybe one we'll talk about in a minute. The, the virtual background. Absolutely. Because I think that's quite an interesting subject. It is. Yeah. Well, if you can get the green screen to, to work. Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've used it for fun reasons, really, to make my head disappear and things like that. But I've never quite, <laughs> never quite managed to make it look really professional yet. But uh, work in progress like everything else. So you want to know who I am? Um, or or well, the, pe the I, people listening might want to know who I am. The people need to know who you are, Graham. Okay. Well... I am a workplace assessor, and uh, that sounds like I go around and tell people off, doesn't it? But it's entirely the opposite. So um, I'm pan-trained, that's a, a term that I like to use, which means that I'm trained in lots of different areas. I started off uh, being trained in ergonomics, and initially when I did workplace assessments which are based around display screen equipment regulations I typically did uh, ergonomic assessments but over the years I went into different areas such as uh, specific learning difficulties um, autism mental health um, as well as uh, assistive technology which is the world that we know each other from and uh, then became more of a holistic assessor so I go and see people in businesses typically still at the moment when a business needs to stick a bandage over the, the, the problem although I am having conversations more and more especially during lockdown about how we can turn the tide on that and make it much more a, a proactive uh, solution um, but I go and see people that are, are struggling for one reason or another be it back problem musculoskeletal issue um, problems with productivity at work and uh, through uh, an assessment process and a, and a conversational process um, and, and a report that uh, highlights adjustments, I hopefully help them to, to be uh, more happy and more productive at work. Hmm. And I think, as you were saying before, you know, we know each other from the attack world, if, if, if I may say um, that. Um, but do you think that you're typical in some respects in that you represent the diversity of people who work in ed tech and that it's not all about geeking out on, on technology it's not all about um 
doing doing things um, in a classroom. It's about having multiple skills that um, support people in in, in in this kind of um, very slow way that the, the teachers do do things. If that makes sense. I think I'm a bit of an unusual animal. Mm. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of crossover within different industries in which I have worked. Mm. So I think there's a lot of crossover between the ergonomics industry um, and the, the sort of health and safety assessment based industry and assistive tech because assistive technology comes into play as an adjustment for some of the people that need um, adjustments within the workplace. Mm. Um, however, I don't think there's, I think I don't think there's a lot of people that cross over quite so much, mm. um, and it's still one of the areas that frustrates me a little bit. And it's one of the reasons why I sort of came out of uh, that more ergonomic background and, and was seeking to find other areas to to look at and gravitate into and, and learn more about mm. which took me into the assistive tech uh, world for a while was because you know simple example is i give somebody a height adjustable desk as an adjustment um, maybe because i need them to move more and I, I need them to vary their their posture more at the desk but but then if i give them a, a voice recorder and some speech to text and uh, technology that allows them to to go off and record work and then come back to the desk at a later stage and actually i can get them to move far more than i can with a electric height adjustable desk so mm. um and then then if you look at it in terms of you know which of these adjustments should people have or or you know the the, the monetary side of that um maybe maybe we need to understand all of those adjustments Mm. and what's totally available to somebody mm. and more so, about more about the way they work as well more, more about the what more about the way that they actually work as yeah. well yeah so that holistic approach if you like that surely has more relevance now doesn't it uh, since lockdown um, if you, i mean think about moving forward in the way that ways that people are going to work differently so what, what would you say about that yeah completely um and again, I can give you a good example, which is that uh, during lockdown, one of the things that I've been doing to, to help the, the walking wounded of lockdown, if you like, that the people that are having to work longer hours at home, um, perhaps not used to that, haven't got the luxuries of their office environment around them, um, perhaps have had the screaming children in the background and you're doing this podcast from your car so that you can get get away from the family noise you know um they sometimes they don't have the room available for them to, to have the that desk set up ideally and the, the table set up ideally etc and um but a good example was that i did a an assessment with uh, a, a lady that worked in a camper van and it was her challenge to me um, she said, I don't think you'll be able to help me. But I said, we'll see. <laughs> and there's no room in there for a desk. There's no room in there for a chair. But, you know, there were still areas that I could look at. And by combining that knowledge base of ergonomics 
with some of the assistive technology areas and also some just some of the um, some of the other technologies that are out there in terms of uh, task management and, and, and other areas like that was able to look at her whole workflow and make suggestions that meant that she could escape working in one area for any length of time and that she could actually work in a slightly different way that gave her a little bit more physical freedom and also a bit more control of what she was doing as well. Mm, okay, so really the future of work then will be this more, um, I mentioned the word holistic before, but it'll be sort of integrated. So it will be thinking about people's entire workflow. Um, and it's strange that people's um, home environment isn't really risk assessed, is it, in terms of work? Um, well, legally it should be. Mm. If, you, if you work for an organisation, um, if you work for yourself, then it's it's a different matter unless you then have employees and they work from home so um, as an employer you have a legal responsibility to uh, risk assess um, any of the places where your work is being carried out mm. um, so it's it's your responsibility to make sure that if you have people working from home now those, those situations are um, environments are assessed but is it happening? Not to the extent which it should be. Um, some organisations are really hot on it, really good on it. In fact, some organisations will dictate to people that they will have to have a certain floor area of space and a certain quality of equipment and even pat testing done in order to, to accommodate home working. Other organisations quite clearly um, aren't taking that too seriously and, and I think that's really shown in this whole lockdown period and and I think one of the most interesting things about it if I take off all of my health and safety and ergonomic hats for a minute is the uh, the whole area of brand because when you think about businesses and offices and you know you 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 watch uh, all these great um, you know films in America and you see the big Google offices and you see the big you know the big corporation buildings etc and the same goes in you know when you go into towns and cities and you see uh, what people have done in terms of branding their business in terms of quality by the way that they house their employees there's been a lot of people that have let their brand down during right. lockdown Okay, because they're unlike their office-based situation, their workers are coming onto Zoom for the world to see, ah. <laughs> right? Mm. Saying, "I'm working on a ironing board," mm. or "I'm oh. working, I'm working with my laptop on a pile of books." I'm working on this or that. I think long term there will be implications to that beyond the physical implications of how that may affect people in terms of uh, back issues, et cetera, which we know are on the increase. Mm. Surveys are already showing us that that's on the increase since lockdown. But I think it may have an impact in terms of brand as well, and particularly on any, anyone that's just graduating, for example, looking at that situation and going, well, hang on, do I want to go and work for someone that can't be bothered to give their employees a proper place to work at home mm. or proper equipment to work at, at home. 
Right. Yeah. And and also, how should those employees conduct themselves? How should they dress? How should they speak? And what, what what's permissible? So it's, it's a very difficult balance, isn't it, between top-down management and allowing people some kind of uh, you know, lassitude, if you like, because uh, because these are unprecedented times. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned the casual dress. Um, <laughs> I mean, had 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 this been a a, a a a Zoom call that was perhaps being uh, recorded for uh, TV purposes or broadcast purposes in a visual way, I probably would have put a shirt on. But but I think the casual dress thing is quite interesting because I actually think that we're we have got over something there, which is quite important. I think prior to to covid 19 and lockdown i think people almost try too hard on mm. on zoom etc and i think one of the things that this has done because it's unprecedented because um people are working out of very different situations you can't call it normal homeworking either mm. because the rest of the family are home you're you're going to flip between immersed in work and, and perhaps doing something else with the family that's absolutely right to be doing that then people have been more casual and people have been more accepting of that and as a result I think it's better because I think people's personality has come over more and I think from a mental health point of view that's been really important mm. um, and I think going forward I hope to see that continue yeah, I think initially when I first started doing Zoom calls during lockdown, I get very frustrated if the kids came in or if my wife came in and I got interrupted. Now it's, it's fine because people expect to see your home life and everybody's home life is there for all to see, isn't it? And that means that people are coming across as more personal and if that means that they're off brand then then so be it because uh, you, how can you possibly be 100% corporate when, when you're at home? Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't think that side of it matters so much. I, I, I think it's more, it's coming more off brand and it's more relevant from, a, from a, a modern branding point of view just to see people having to make do mm. with, with poor situations or poor, poor environment situations. I mean, I'm not surprised that Google came out with that announcement about um, how it was giving all of their workers a thousand dollars i think it was each to to do up their homeworking environment yeah I mean, google have always been at the leading edge of modern branding mm. and, and i think it was a statement about that more than anything else it was a realization that it's really important that they are seen to be caring about how people are transitioning in terms of their work into a completely different space and that they need to support that yeah i've, I've never seen so many tidy bookcases over the last uh, few months i guess i'm quite tired of them <laughs> i want to see some you know mess around there um moving on to sorry moving back to assistive technologies yep you said that you would you, you had moved away from that to an extent but um how do you feel that how do you feel that assistive, assistive technologies are going to be you know are going to cross over into people who do not have disabilities that these would be increasingly necessary the more that people are working from home well i'll stick my neck out here and and i can probably do this more now not being quite so associated with the assistive technology world but um although i still recommend assistive technology tools and 
and I, and I still talk to people within that space. But I, but I'm guessing I think because assistive technology will not be a, a separate entity, I think assistive technology will become an an, an integrated part of normal, if you like, technology, yeah. and it, and it has has to be. Um, and I think with that, what it what it what it's about really is. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, is just making sure that within technologies there are uh, additional ways of access and inclusion mm. in order to allow people that struggle with particular processes or particular access point to, to information or communication to, to do that more effectively. So, so yeah, I'm, I've never, I never really sat easy with the... The, the term assistive technology in a way i mean for me it should be it's about uh, technology as i say that really helps with um production of of good work and and, and uh, you know uh, production of good ideas and therefore you know i that's where i see it working because there are regardless of how many people there are out there with a registered disability who get themselves or, or don't even do or don't get themselves into a system of support that then will take them to uh, take them to that assistive technology and will signpost them to that there are so many more and I come across them all the time who don't know whether they are dyslexic or don't know whether they're dyspraxic think they may be you know have got all of the the signs there certainly know that they struggle in some way with uh, cognition or, or just remembering to do certain things you know remembering tasks or remembering to, to to organize their work in a particular way and what's great about the the, the assistive technology um, that has been developed and now is being absorbed back into more standard technologies is that they have those enablements within them you know yeah. so for, for, for me it's about being able to say to someone well look if if you struggle with this particular way workflow or you you struggle with organizing yourself in this particular way have you thought about looking at this bit of technology hmm not because it's special in some way, but because actually it works with the way that you work mm. and it allows you to organize your, your uh, thought process and your work in a way that perhaps another bit of technology that you're currently using doesn't. Mm. Um, so, yeah. so that's really more of it to me. <laughs> yeah. So the, the internet of things as it were, will, will mean that we won't use the phrase assistive technology in the next few years time. But, um, can I allow you to geek out a little bit? Is, is there any yeah, 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 examples yeah. of assistive technology that you've come across that you think have been particularly, um, or, well, maybe revolutionary is not the right word, but particularly, um, useful and helpful. I think, well, I think one of the, one of the words that I look for more than anything, going forward with any piece of technology is the word integration mm. i think the 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 key for me is that that integration point um certainly cloud-based technology helps with that as well um as we move away from platform delivered 
technology, more native technology into more cloud-based technology, that helps with the whole area of integration because you're, you're not having to, to, to deal with specific code on the machine and how that then works with, or parries against another piece of uh, software. Um, and to that mind, I, I believe that things like Teams and Slack and some of those communication tools are assistive based. Mm. Um, because of the huge amount of integration that is being built into them. Yeah. Um, and the, the integration bit for me is, is fundamental as well because, um, and this is becoming really relevant in lockdown, people are burning out. <laughs> and one of the reasons they're burning out is because <clears throat> people know uh, that people can just work and work and work in the situation that they're in. Mm. Um, and it's easy, very, very easy these days to just uh, sit and do more and more and more, etc. So getting work right going forward is partly about actually working out how to do everything that you do in a smarter way mm. so that you actually achieve more by doing less. Yeah. Yeah. And integration is absolutely key to that. So one of the things I quite often talk to people about in the, the assessments that I do is looking at the, the bits of technology that they're using and seeing whether they actually work together or whether they're very disparate from each other. And if they are, then perhaps thinking about realigning the technologies or, or, or changing some of those technologies that they're using in order to bring them together more. Mm. Because it doesn't make sense these days to do certain jobs <laughs> yeah. uh, you know if you're if you're um if you're in a in a database collection area for example like facebook or linkedin here and you're getting you're getting names down and they're, they're coming down here into a into a particular area um you know to then have to sit and type those into a crm or to to you know if you're if you're in a in a meeting like Zoom, etc., and uh, conversational information is being shared, but it's not in some way being captured and then turned into action points. Those to, those to me are all of the areas where I, I'm looking to more and more for technology to actually do something about it, right? Are you happy to share examples of how that uh, how some technologies might actually facilitate um, you know, ease of communication or, or, or speeding up workflow or the, these problems that you identified. What do you have to yeah. do afterwards? No, no, absolutely. I mean, I've uh, been very chatty with the guys from AOA um, uh, over the last few months, and uh, I think theirs is a great, great piece of software. Other other bits of software do exist, um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good example. It's it's a cloud based uh, mind mapping technology that also has a task management side to it. But what's really nice about it is that the uh, so there's the mind mapping there for developing ideas, and that and it's collaborative mind mapping as well, which I think is again another area the collaboration area um mural 
which she may have come across as a really nice collaborative uh, um, piece of software. But that I think, you know, we're, as especially now we're all stuck in different areas as well. And, and, and you know, Zoom's becoming the, the, the new way to communicate. Anything that kind of works within that platform so I can share my screen at the same time and we can collaborate together in a very visual way, but I can then collect that information down. All of those ways are very good. Um, and then if we can generate tasks out of it and we can share those tasks in a collaborative way as well, I think that's that's really where we need to see things going. Yeah. But part of, part of it is people understanding as well. And again, this is why the assessment process is so helpful, is pe people, especially in management situations, people understanding how their people receive and share information effectively. Um, yeah. So, so collaboration and actually getting things done. Wow. But isn't that, isn't that nice? Because <laughs> for in March, what would happen is we'd go on a Zoom call and spend about 15 minutes going, oh, Graeme's here. Oh, hello, Graeme. <laughs> and, and Graeme would start shouting a lot and, uh, and the whole thing wouldn't, wouldn't come across as, um, as particularly uh, productive. And, um, but things have moved on so quickly in such a short space of time, haven't they? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm, and also with the the uh, the Zoom piece as well. I mean, uh, you know, we mentioned Zoom a lot, and they and they rightly or wrongly get a lot of air coverage here because they, you know, people have gravitated towards that platform. Um, you know, but I, and I've seen a lot. I've seen an increase in uh, the use of Teams as well, mm. uh, Microsoft Teams a lot over this period um, as, a, as a platform for, for allowing teams to work. But I also think um, within that space, as that space has grown exponentially um, over, the, over the, uh, the, the COVID period, I think what we've also seen is some burnout from those technologies as well, because we forget sometimes how to use uh, our communication as effectively as we should within that within the scope of that so i mean one one of the things that i've been doing on some of the webinars i've been doing with uh, a, a group of other um, ergonomists and and uh, experts is been using some of the other technologies that are out there as well so um big shout out to uh, vvox and uh, mentimeter as well which are probably technologies you know um, who who have uh, let me uh, abuse their systems uh, rightly in in terms of webinars but that's been really good as well because again I and I don't see enough of it you know we we don't we, do, we we forget that there's somebody else on the other side that might need to to interject and put a point forward as we're talking so um, technologies that allow us to to stop in the ramble of talk and get a get a viewpoint and get a collective viewpoint as well by you know use of polling or questions and answers or surveying i think are incredibly helpful as well and, and there's been some really there's been some really uh useful ways that that's been developing in a in a networking sense as well so um you know i know the, uh, the vvox guys have been running a, a pub quiz every week for example but but I, it's a good way of doing it because what it illustrates to people is how you can create that sense of community again 
by using these technologies across, uh, you know, across a, a, an online platform. Absolutely. I, I will attend one of those webinars, by the way, Graham, but I just haven't been able to recently. <laughs> That's um, okay. I go back to, yeah, I've been promiscuous today. I've done one Skype call, I've done one Zoom call, um, and I've done one Teams call as well. And it just feels seamless, really, now. It, it just seems to be, doesn't seem to be a great difference between them. They're, they're just video calls, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the base technology and the base understanding of how to use it is, is there. I mean, when we first started in uh, lockdown, you could see those people that had been used to living their life on these platforms and those that didn't know how to even, you know, flick the switch. Yeah. Um, but most people have caught up now. Um, and, but there, there, there are uh, more platforms that are that way inclined or, or, or based on that nature that are developing all the time. I'm going to be hopefully uh, running some shows uh, using a platform called Remo, which is a bit like Zoom, but it's um, it's nice because you all sit at tables. <laughs> so rather than necessarily ju just have those rectangles on the screen, you actually feel a it feels a lot more intimate. This is quite interesting, actually, how the dynamic of of uh, the illustration, digital illustration of of the uh, environment changes the way that you actually feel mm. within that digital space as well i think that's that's a fascinating thing you know just by representing tables on the screen rather than rather than just blocks mm. and actually having smaller groups sat there and you can and you've got the control there to to leave a table and move on to a different area mm. you know giving giving the control back to uh, the, the person that sat there all of those things are, are really nice as well that they're People are beginning to think about that. Um, if we're going to if we're going to sit in the, these kind of areas, how how does that feel for us as human beings? Can we make that feel more a little bit more like reality? Yeah, and I think if you have a fun avatar as well on those tables, you can see yourself and go, oh, "Look, there's me, and there's my friends," and it can just feel a lot more inclusive and fun, can't it? Yeah, no, ab absolutely. Um, so I, you know, I think things are changing. Will we ever go away from face to face? I never. I doubt it. You know, I think that humans. My my view on it, it's the same. I feel about uh, um, music. Really, I, I'm a big big music fan. Um, I have still have a large CD collection and a and a you know collection of vinyl and a record player. Um, but I also have, uh, I have Alexa in the home all over the place as well. And to me, it's, it's, it really is that, that it's about that choice. And, and we've been thrust forward a little bit, forced by COVID um, into making, making some of these more digital forms work for us quicker. But I think we've got choices to make now. And I think we've got choices to make in terms of, when do we need that tactile human experience that only works by tangibly touching and feeling? And when can we do it more instantaneously? And what are the pros and cons of both? And we have to weigh it up from a point of view of both, you know, the, the, the planet 
costs in terms of uh, business, but also that you know the, the the costs in terms of work-life balance as well. Yeah, the, the, well, that's right. I mean, will people still want to fly six thousand miles for a half an hour meeting in the near future? I, th- I think maybe not in many cases. But at the same time, of course, as, as you said, people want that human contact. You know, the, the bonds that you would make with people are always more productive, aren't they, when you've actually met them and shaken their hand? Yeah, I don't think you. It's very difficult to form an emotional attachment to somebody over over the internet, and and I'm, and that's one of the the issues with it. Um, but it's really it's really about pondering what what and and thinking hard about what what works and what doesn't work with regard to that. You know, I mean, I, I've spoke to a, a, a local accountancy firm that I do some assessment work for during lockdown and and they said yep it will certainly change the way we work going going back because we've realized over this this process that uh you know some of those big big client meetings that we thought we had to attend in person because they were big clients we actually can do a better job for them and be more productive for them if we do it on zoom we've had to do it on zoom but having done it we realize we're not really losing anything you know um and so that's that's quite interesting and actually someone that i was speaking to earlier today said i thought it was quite wise words they said in future we might actually decide to go and see people not based upon the the size of the the check that they're going to pay us but actually based on the size of the human transaction that we get Mm. that could be really interesting Arguably, it's happening already, and has has done for several years. Now, as, as, as um, I suppose, commerce is increasing, increasingly about transparency, isn't it, and accessibility. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's a very good point to make. Yeah. Um, talking of which, what would you say? I mean, let's let's think about six months ahead or one year ahead. What yep. kind of opportunities do you think? are starting to be presented to you um so let's think about you know it's going to be armageddon in a couple of weeks time when the pubs open again but let, let's <laughs> let's hope that things start to improve and um, you know things open up a little bit more but what kind of opportunities are starting to be presented uh, to you in a, in a positive way well i um as i spoke to you earlier i said you know i've i've that really awful word pivoted uh quite a bit during this whole experience because obviously my face-to-face transactions which i normally carry out couldn't happen um so yes i can still support people by doing my assessment work online um but one of the things that i've started to do and and i'm i'm making headway with is uh is is doing more of this social uh, media work for people within the industries that I know and and that what's interesting there is because um, I think they typically some of those businesses have used people to do social media work for them that understand social media as opposed to understanding them as a business Mm. or them as an industry Um, and I think that's quite I think that's quite important. So I think experts in their field may well do more of that kind of work. Um, and the reason we can be good at it, I have actually got a background in journalism anyway. So I'm, and 
I, I did communication studies, which was all about marketing, et cetera, at university. But the, the thing that I think that helps is that I think we, we are all becoming more aware of how this dynamic works from a social perspective. Um, and it's, and it is, it's more about actually that one-to-one -one engagement. What grows your network about that anymore it's about actually reaching out to people finding out who they are as people listening to them building your network just by communicating with them um, doing a lot of listening and then actually responding to people by saying well do you know actually i think i can help you with this or i can signpost you to this and that's actually that's actually marketing going forward you know and it's much more about it's much more about putting the right information, good information, solid information in people's laps when they need it, rather than forcing a, a product or a service on onto people. Yeah, and, and I've, I sometimes work with, um, with 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 companies on their social media, and they um, I, used to, I used to get very frustrated when they they employ an intern or somebody you know, they, they want to get the cheapest person they can find maybe even a work experience person to, who they're going to pay minimum wage or less uh to pump stuff out because they're young and um so the no concept of the of the idea no concept that social media is a, a conversation you know it's, it, it's something that's meant to be um you know inclusive it, it's meant to be represent their personality if, if not their brand personality um and it's about it's not about pushing stuff out because nobody cares do they people are really busy got no thumbs. well it takes me back to the days of fax yeah. <laughs> we all remember fax machines well, I remember some, fax going, but, but yeah um, so, some some of us um <laughs> now i'm showing my age um, i'm i'm reading a really good book you can see a post on my linkedin at the moment uh, uh, that's called 1971 so that that tells you how old i am um but uh yeah the fax machines i mean it used to be, it used to be the same when i was in an office uh, when fax machines still existed there would you you'd have orders come through on the fax or correspondence come through on the fax followed by reams and reams and reams of fax paper like toilet roll being pulled by an andrex puppy with with adverts on from people that were sending you adverts and you just you just ripped it off and threw it in the bin you know i mean you might have might have occasionally take, taken a tertiary glance at it but you know it didn't really resonate and it didn't really come across and that that to me is what's happening when people produce copy on uh on a social media platform that's basically like you know look at this look at this chair yeah it does this 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 and this it's this price buy it mm. you know that's right really yeah. you know to me um some of the things that we're doing for, for manufacturers, you know, putting on webinars and that, you know, we've got a, um, a webinar coming up with a lawyer and, uh, a, and you know, an air conditioning uh, expert, etc. Um, 
and we we had someone on the other day who was a a, a, a biophilia expert etc talking about you know um, the challenges of getting people back into an office and and you know just that whole communication piece it's it's you you want it to you want to be able to ask the questions to a set of experts you want to be you want to be able to get the information that you want out and yes there'll be some sales in there somewhere mm. and you may buy some products as part as a resultant part of that piece but actually you just really want to be guided into the right area um and and it's part part of the um problem of a lot of industries as well is just realizing that they need to stop fight that the manufacturers or the suppliers need to stop fighting amongst themselves as well because the the merits of of what it is that they do will stand and fall by the the, the, the quality of the product and actually what they want to do is just bring people into that space That's together right. Yeah, and, and nobody cares that you offer tailored uh, bespoke solutions uh, and blue skies thinking. <laughs> they just want a, you know, a connection, I suppose, and they'll buy from the, from the person. I mean, that's, that's why social media is so important, isn't it? Because people buy from the people who they like the most, who they trust the most. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, who to a certain extent are, are, are agnostic about everything as well, that it's, you know, it's about... Uh, you know, a, a, a good brand in a lot of uh, those situations is just one that says, you know, we're there and we, we, you know, we do what we do really, really well, but we might not be right for everybody, mm. you know, or we might not be right for every situation. And if we're not, actually, we can signpost you to one of our competitors that is. That's a good brand in those situations, yeah. you know. Um, and that's, you know, for me, that was always something that I strive to try and make happen more when I was in the assistive technology field. I have to say it's really hard. Um, and I'd still like to see more of them do it. So if they're listening, please take heed. But I think it's important that, you know, pieces very, very much so the pieces of assistive technology actually work together going back to that integration thing, because you can bet your bottom dollar if they don't do it, the likes of Microsoft, et cetera, will do it. They will integrate uh, with things and they will make it easier for people to use all of the different bits of technology that they want to use. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, it's really important that people sort of put down their knives, if you like, and mm. say, okay, you know, my my technology does this your technology probably does the same thing etc but why don't we make them pally off each other Pe people people can make their own choices as to which which bit they want to use but you know if we make these things work together the collective use of it is 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 better and you know and we 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 must stop thinking as well that just because one bit of technology seemingly does the same as another bit that that stops the consumer from buying both because it doesn't these days especially with bits of software i've i've got lots of bits of software i mentioned earlier mentimeter and vvox you could say they're competitors but they actually are slightly different and they do slightly different things and you know if i if i was going to put my hat on and say well which one would i pick to buy i'd say both because you know, if you want 
some of the features of one for for one set of jobs and one of the set of features for one of a different set of things that you're trying to achieve then then you need both you know so so to an, to an extent it's less about your usp you know you're unique selling product you, you're selling what's the phrase i'm looking for usp is unique selling point um, yep. differentiating opposite the, the, the proposition um it's less about that and more about things like collaboration and um and, and being in harmony with one another and partnership yeah i think so i think if you if you really want to produce items that or products and services that really help people then it's entirely about that and i you know i know some of the guys in the ergonomics trade that that pally with each other quite well on that you know they they do have crossover between some of the different products but they will go well you know you you want that particular you like the functionality of our particular laptop stand but you prefer that mouse over there mm. so be it you, you know that's great you know what you end up with is is uniquely right for you and uh, and that's absolutely right um and i and i you know i think it's a really interesting thing to say and and, and it's it frustrates me whenever i see anyone uh saying that something is uh, perfectly ergonomic <laughs> because to me that's that's actually an, uh, an oxymoron right um because actually if some if something's if something's uh, ergonomic ergonomics to me is is a science that is related first and foremost not to products but to to humans it's about making us work more effectively by uh you know looking at the, the barriers or, and and the issues within our environment etc and what, what what it is we're working with and because as humans we are all fundamentally different and each one of us is different the solutions are going to be different for each and every person so one size does not fit all um and however you know percentile wise fit wise something fits a greater percentage that's always good from an ergonomic perspective but it doesn't necessarily mean it, it it works for everybody and it's the combination of how things work together that is the most important part so that's why coming back to it that's why assessments are always necessary <laughs> yeah, yeah of course yeah definitely okay well, this has been so illuminating Graham, and i really appreciate your, your time um, okay one more thing how are you staying sane well, that's easy. It's ah. actually it's actually not difficult to stay sane. Um, I mean, for, for for well, for us, um, we're we're a large family. We're we're a family of seven. Um, our eldest is back from university, um, but we we have and there's one in the background. Um, but you know, we 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 have uh, we have you know a, a, a tight family unit who are. Uh, who are all able to bounce off each other it's a it's a you know a, a lot of different ages etc um i think that has kept us really quite sane i i, I would pity well not pity because that sounds awful but I, I would struggle to understand how anybody uh is going through this or how they are feeling going through this especially in the early stages of lockdown if they were on their own and especially in a 
in a place that's more isolated or, or you know, hasn't got any freedom of space. I mean, we're, we're fortunate here. We're in the countryside. We can, we can open the door and we can go for a walk and it's, you know, there's air and there's, there's grass and there's trees. I think all of those things are really important. So, yeah. You know, so there, there isn't an army of COVIDians walking towards you uh, like zombies that you have to dodge. No, no, not at all. So I, I just think it's, um, you know, that that's that dynamic between the the family and and the, having the space around us has has kept us pretty sane in this. I, I think I think the difficult thing for everybody actually is uh, what happens when we get back as we go back. To, to more of a, a norm I think that's and I, I, I really believe that it's one of the things that employers especially have got to watch out for now is watching just how fast they take people back into a, a working environment and and you know reversing those steps can't be as quick as when when you took the, the first steps to get people out of the office in the first place Mm. Well, well, without wishing to sound uh, trite or, or dramatic, you could argue that there's no going back. You know, we're, we're never going back. No, I, I think I think for some people that's absolutely literally true. Um, you know, I, a neighbour down the road uh, when we were passing safely distance doing the bins the other day said that who's a teacher said that's it. Um, she's a uh, she's a teacher. She's she will go back part-time you know she's realized uh just what it means to have that extra family time etc this is this is life-changing and i think for a lot of people that's absolutely it and Mm. you know i think uh, again for a lot of people unfortunately a lot of people have been made redundant so a lot of people will will need to think about where they go uh, or or what they do going forward Uh, but a lot of people have made certainly made significant changes to the way that they work and they won't be returning from those absolutely well let's hope we can make the best of, of those and and uh, but you're going to help that graham so <laughs> i'll say thank you on behalf of uh, everybody you, you work with over the next few months so thank you so much and i really appreciate your time again and uh so I'll, I'll i'll stay in touch and as I, as i said before i will attend one of those webinars uh, just let us know lovely thank you can i just ask because i won't know where do where do people find this podcast all right okay yeah all you have to do is google edtech innovators uh it's on every platform apart from stitcher but i'm looking to get it onto stitcher soon so it's it's on apple and google and and anchor and everywhere else so uh everywhere but about one brilliant yeah so um yeah it's okay but i'll post the link out later on I'll, i'll put it out tomorrow and um I'll post the, the link to the general podcast um, on LinkedIn on, on your um, LinkedIn profile a little bit later on. But, right. um, I'm going to go. Ooh. Okay, uh, Buenas tardes, Todd Mundo. Hello, Menchu is top, my top left, uh, Ilana is my bottom left, and Jose is my bottom right. And you're all from UCOOP, and uh, you're here to talk to us about um, this venture, which is partly about technology and partly not about technology, but it's more about entrepreneurship. But please, can you um, introduce um, UCOOP to us? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having us. UCOP, uh, UCOP, UCOP is a consortium. It's um, um, a team of different institutions, of ten institutions uh, of different countries in the European Union. We have people from the United Kingdom. We have people from from Italy, uh, like Ilana, for example, that is uh, from Indice, one of our partners. Uh, we are from Spain. Mention myself. We are from the uh, Santander International Entrepreneurship Center. We are leading this uh, this consortium, and we also have other other partners also in, in Spain. Uh, so what are we going to do? We are coming from a previous experience that was ECOP. It was ECOP was a pilot experience, uh, one of the only two funded by the European Union, trying to give an answer to one question, which is, okay, we have uh, a generation of students, uh, also in secondary education, but also mainly in higher education, very well educated with a lot of uh, preparation, uh, with a lot of entrepreneurial mindset, or at least with a lot of entrepreneurial skills. But we are facing a huge job of unemployment. Um, on the other hand, we have a very interesting business model, which is cooperativism, which is cooperative social economy. Although you know uh, that in, in different countries in Europe, social economy means different things, but mainly we are talking about co-ops in this, in this case. And we have this business model, which is resilient uh, and who does, did not suffer so much the, the impact of the last crisis. So what is needed? That was the question. What is needed for the educative system to introduce cooperativism, to introduce the cooperative values and the cooperative business model into the training, into the, 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 the education, the educative systems? Because we found out that there was a lack of that information. So I got, came from there. We made um, two training, two, I mean, we made pilot training. Uh, with international participants, with jobs from different countries, from 12 different countries in, in Europe, in COPS, we train them about entrepreneurial mindset and skills, and also about the cooperativism, uh, cooperativism, cooperativism uh, the cooperative uh, system, the movement and everything. And we also develop a training for uh, secondary education. All of them, open source, still available, obviously, in, in our webpage. And from there, from a COP, uh, sorry for the long introduction, but in, in, uh, from a COP, uh, we uh, developed this second phase that is also being granted by the European Union. Now, what we are doing, because we just started last uh, March, um, we are going to develop a train of trainers. We are going to focus in the educators. We consider that uh, the best way for having impact, the best way for having not only impact, but also efficiency, but also um, being able to, to reach as many people as possible is through the educators. So we are going to develop tools for the educators. We are going to develop a MOOC. We are going to use a blended learning methodology for, for them to give them tools and resources so they can then introduce these concepts uh, of cooperativism and, and, and entrepreneurial cooperativism in their, in their classrooms. So more or less, this is the, the venture. This, is, this has been the journey so far. Okay, that, that's great. Yeah, a little bit louder, if you, if, you, if you could speak a bit louder, that would be wonderful. Uh, it's difficult to hear you, if, if, if that's okay. Um, all right, so let's um, move on to, to, to what you were going to, Ilana, you are going to talk about technology in Italy, weren't you, um, versus um, the USA or, or the UK? Um, well, no, uh, we were just mentioning before, hi, this is Alana, I'm um, with Eurixe, we're a research center in, um, in northern Italy, based in Trento, and um, no, we were just talking a little bit about um, this 
podcast and uh, technology and education in general and just thinking about how um, we've, we've really seen that during this crisis that the use of technology was um, very new for many people, um, very new for the teachers, for the students as well, um, to a certain extent. I mean, we're all used to using technology um, maybe in, in different ways, right? But not necessarily for um, in the educational context, the way we've been forced to do recently. So um, just as we were chatting before, you know, just kind of thinking about how we're not, you know, Italy might be a little bit behind even, you know, thinking about podcasts and, you know, there's just, um, a long way to go still here. So um, this has been um, a little bit of a shock to the system, I think, but um, something that could be positive going forward. And looking, you know, as Jose was saying, um, these um, programs that the project that we're working on now, UCOAP, is a train the, the teachers project, right? And so part of what that's going to be is. Um, you know, we're going to be forced in a way to look more towards technology. It was already meant to be a, a blended learning uh, tool. So it was already going to have um, a combined use of a MOOC and face-to-face -face, uh, sessions. We're now trying to evaluate whether that's going to be feasible or not. Um, but technology is certainly going to have to play a key role in uh, how we move forward with this project. Mm, absolutely yeah and, and um so you will be having many conversations about you know what, what great teaching is because you know from my point of view from my reading and, and writing and research and, and so on um really the, there's very little difference between great teaching in a classroom and great teaching online you know the, the, and i think that, that this is the mistake that we we often see um with online and um, teaching that it's online information as opposed to learning so it 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 it, it it's very often not social and it's not uh, interactive it's not collaborative and it's not interactive and it's not stimulating so if it can be all of those things then uh, you're doing good you're doing good work um fantastic um now anything to add uh Manchu or jose or, uh, about um the, the the mooc and and what you're what you have in mind no well we are now, as, as Elena was saying, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a good opportunity for us as, as an institution, as institutions, uh, to see how are we going to adapt to this new reality. I mean, we are going to make this pilot training uh, because the MOOC is going to be available for everybody. It's going to be in a, in, a, in a MOOC platform run by the University of Cantabria. And we will also, we will uh, be uh, absolutely open and it would be lovely if everybody can can see the, can can do the MOOC and, and it can be accessible to everybody. But then we will go more in depth. Our initial plan is to go more in depth uh, with these pilot trainings in in both Italy and, and Spain. And what we were reflecting and we were thinking about in the in the last meetings we had is specifically, as Elena said, how this situation has affected teachers. Uh, and, and and I think it's a very interesting thing to 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 reflect about uh, for the future in both Italy and Spain because we've been both of the of the countries two of the countries most heated by this uh, by this situation mm -hmm. and there are some things that we should learn or there are some learning that comes from that uh, from that situation um, as we are in the beginning of our program uh, we will try 
humbly uh, and and from with the resources that we have that we are not it's not it's not a big program but we will also try to give tools to that to give answers to that because at the end what we are going to do is that we are going to talk to the teachers and we are going to ask to the teachers what are their needs i mean we, we don't pretend to be a program that is uh, developed in uh, in santander or in trento and is going like the ones that you can do in london in Brussels, or whatever mm -hmm. and then you receive it and let's see what you do with it as you said it's something that is going to be collaborative and because collaborativism is something that is in the core also of the cooperativism movement of the cooperatives mm -hmm. and we are going to ask them so it's going to be great also, and it's going to be a, a, a great learning for us. How are we going to, to be able to support as much as we can uh, teachers, not only for our first objective, for our first goal, which was introducing the, the cooperative um, entrepreneurial mindsets in the, in the classrooms, but also uh, in this new venture about how to adapt with the existing resources to the, to the current situation. Mm -hmm. Good. And how to and how to make um, the, the training, how to make the training engaging. How to engage their students, even if they're they're online. And you know, we're we're very used to um, group work, and and you know, when we're teaching about cooperatives and um, you know, cooperative values, and it's very much you know participatory and um, based on on relational skills and, and things of that nature so how do we do that um, if we're looking at a, at a more at an online platform these are things we're gonna have to, to learn about as well you know on our end because we're used to face-to-face -face education more than digital as well so yeah yes yeah. that's right and it's uh, we can very often make the assumptions that uh, make the assumption that our students know how to use the, the technology and they, they might use Instagram or, or Snapchat all, all the time. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a, sorry, there's absolutely, that's very interesting because there's a lot of inequality that has arisen in, in Spain, for example, mm. because of that, because of mm -hmm. the lack of access to technology. Mm. And, and that's something that it also should worry, at, uh, should worry, should be very worrying for us. For the for the government, for the educative institutions, I know for teachers is, but the frustration that I've, I uh, comes from some colleagues that are trying uh, and, and are working more hours, and it's, it, it, this this situation has put a lot of pressure in the in the teachers, especially in, in Spain and, and Italy, for example. Mm. And it's true that we were we were ready but we were not enough ready for this and digitalization has always been around you know it's yeah yeah digitalization is something that is needed and so on and so, on. so but um seems like the political uh, decisions are, haven't been uh, you know effective enough for 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 facing this obviously and now what we have what we are what we are seeing is inequality inequality in the access to internet uh, systems, inequality in the access of a computer, uh, because also uh, you have to face that in the, in, the, in, the, in the house, for example, at home, there's, uh, there's the parents that they need the computers for working because they are working from home, but there's also the children that need the, the computer, but some of them, they have different ages, so they are in different classrooms. So at the end, 
this has also um, arised, this inequality. And also we've seen here in, in Spain that cooperatives, uh, cooperatives are, are also trying to, to help on that, uh, based on that, on the values. But again, technology is good, but the technology, the lack of technology, if now we are going to face a, a digital world, if we are not able to give the same opportunities to everybody, that's also going to be uh, very uh, worrying in mm. quality. On the Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it's 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 got much worse. You know, millions unemployed in in, in Spain, in Italy, in in the UK, um, and this is probably going to get worse. And I think, um, d d just to be um, positive, is the more entrepreneurs that we have coming out of schools, um, is that going to help the situation? Um, you know, if you encourage people to be entrepreneurial. Is that realistically going to improve this situation where we have millions of people unemployed? Well, um, in, to an extent, yes. I mean, you know, there's a lot of factors, right? It's not, um, mm -hmm. there's no magic bullet, but um, definitely um, as a way to combat specifically youth unemployment, um, we think that cooperatives and, you know, entrepreneurship and specifically entrepreneurship through the cooperative model are, um, you know, one of those factors that are going to help pull, pull us out of this. And, you know, we've seen, like Jose was alluding to at the beginning, um, you know, cooperatives demonstrating time and time again to be a sustainable business model that helps keep people employed. Mm. And, you know, we've seen through uh, the economic downturn and crisis, how cooperatives were more resilient and kept people employed while other businesses were laying people off. I think anecdotally, we can say that we're seeing some of that through this COVID crisis, although it's a little bit early to be able to say with, with any kind of certainty. But, you know, from what we can see looking around, it's, it's cooperatives that are um, keeping people on the payroll as opposed to just laying people off and shutting down. Mm. Um, so, and you know, the cooperative model is, is born to respond to, to needs in society. And so be they, you know, needs for credit or needs for work or needs for healthcare or social services, um, the cooperative model is a model that can respond to that. So yeah, <laughs> we think that, that the more entrepreneurs and the more cooperative entrepreneurs there are, uh, the more we can respond to these societal needs and it, it's interesting I mean if I just give you the um, the UK and the American uh, perspective here that the, the, you have these wheels of capitalism crushing small cooperatives and um, it you have the the voices of capitalism being very very loud and very dominant uh, mm -hmm. and they just shut out these alternative voices. You know, it, it's very difficult to be heard if what you want is to create co cooperative non-profits and uh, because the you know, philosophy, it, well, the, the, the ideology is that um, it, it, you need to be entrepreneurial to make money, to pay your taxes, right? As opposed yeah. to, to create a sustainable um, income. Yeah. Um, that's well, that's why, that's why we're working through the school system. That's part of why, right? Because a lot of times, yeah, the capitalist voice is the one that's heard. So, you know, you have entrepreneurship training in secondary schools, in universities, but the option of doing that through the cooperative model isn't 
highlighted. So, you know, we have all these students coming out of their, you know, their fantastic entrepreneurship education, but going straight into a capitalistic model where they might be able to achieve you know, their goals better through the cooperative model. And, you know, there is a lot of talk now about the, um, you know, about sustainable businesses. The SDGs are you know, becoming a massive everywhere you turn before COVID. Um, you know, the SDGs, everybody was talking about that all over the place. And, you know, the sustainable development goals. And what form of business is better equipped to, to meet those sustainable development goals than cooperatives, mm. right? So I, I think, you know, they are becoming um, more and more visible, but there's a lot of work to do. And, and that's why, you know, these teacher training uh, project that we're working on the you co-op project that's that's why you know we think that that's a model that can can bring cooperatives forward mm, yeah and if if everything has to change when when we do get back to the new normal then um i'd like to think that's what what you hope is that you know, <laughs> the nature of business has to change you now the whole model has to change it has to be more sustainable more more ethical right Right. Uh, I, I also think there's there's a new there's a new public uh, or there's uh, more than a new public. Um, the new generation, the job generations, and, and more and more people, as, as Ilana was saying, is now talking about sustainability. It's now talking about uh, being friendly with the environment. It's about uh, renewable energies. It's about circular economy. It's a lot of different things that has erased in the last uh, decade. Uh, and it was the, um, and it's, I think that, that the sustainable development goals, as he was saying, it's a very good example of that. Um, there's um, even the biggest uh, companies, even the multinationals, that uh, if you consider them like the worst image of the, of the capitalism, are in their advertisement, in their marketing campaigns, turning into those kind of products or trying to, uh, to, to get in touch with that uh, public. Mm. So, it's now the moment for this kind of business that has been always fulfilling that uh, that values to be there and to be known. Uh, our goal, for example, is not to create cooperatives uh, in as a project, for example. Our goal is to give uh, the cooperative model enough uh, room, enough space, enough knowledge to be known for people to choose it if they if they want to. And we have experience in a COP, for example that um, regarding the, it, it was very different, obviously, the secondary education experience and the, and the high uh, education experience. Uh, when we were, if we faced um, uh, what we learned from the, from the university students, most of them, they came to the pilot uh, seeking for uh, a way for creating their startup or to foster their entrepreneurial idea or whatever. At the end of the program, what they enjoyed more, the most, because they enjoyed a lot of working in the in the program and they learned a lot but the the most impact for them was to discover the values and discovering that they were agreeing that they agree with that values and that you can develop a, 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 an entrepreneurial um, experience obviously and look for profit because profit is not a bad thing absolutely profit and and, and economic in, uh, income is what moves the world it's about the economy for sure so you cannot be naive about that. It has to be sustainable and it has to be uh, profit. 
the difference is what you do with that profit and what do you do to get that profit and they found out that this model links much more with their principles with the principles they are uh, developing with their friends and with their colleagues and everything so it was a discovery for them so it's, it's what we think is great about cops and, and this movement is you have an absolutely valid um, uh, business model which uh, has more chances to survive, in fact, than, than the traditional model, if, if, we, if we make that comparison, although cooperatives have more than uh, one century and a, and a half old. I mean, they... That's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Look after yourselves and see you later.